Good afternoon, my fellow Americans. Kyle Brown here, or KB. Welcome to another episode of the KB Show. I know it's been a little while since I've actually uh, managed to get a podcast out, but a lot of things have been uh, changing. Not necessarily for the good or the bad. Um, Just uh, kind of give you an idea um, with the... Sudden rise in COVID, my son's school went to e-learning for three days, two days before Thanksgiving, and then this past Monday. Uh, so, uh, kind of at a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to try and get a video done. And also, finally got some uh, social media up for you guys to... Get a hold of me. Um, I know it's not going to be real big because I am just starting this. As well as, you know, you look at some people that do podcast talk radio. You've got uh, Steven Crowder, who does Louder with Crowder. Uh, you've got Glenn Beck. you got Rush Limbaugh. You've got um, Pat Gray, Sean Hannity people like them that's got thousands if not millions of followers so i'm just literally right now i'm just a nobody from northeast indiana that's sitting in front of a computer with a microphone trying to share his thoughts his opinions of the world of politics throughout the u.s and you know every once in a while we might change it up and talk about something else but it's mainly going to be focused around politics because we have a lot to do. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, and, and plus, well, another reason why I haven't really done any of the pod, podcasts lately is because, number one, we had, last week, we had the hearings in Pennsylvania. We had, I think on Monday... We had the hearings in Arizona. Yesterday, we had the hearings in Michigan. Um, and I've got right here next to me a notepad. You can hear the paper here. Uh, I've got some notes from the Arizona hearing. I have a lot of notes on the Michigan hearing, which that might be another episode in itself. But uh, I know the first couple episodes I did, I went with just a standard half hour uh, that's only because that's what the program the program I was using to record these would only allow me. So I'm using another program, and hopefully I'm going to try and make this a little bit longer because I don't feel like I get a chance to really discuss a lot on what's on my mind, what's going on. Um, and there's one announcement that we heard... From U.S. Attorney General William Barr, as he reported to the Associated Press that he could not, well, let me rephrase that. The DOJ and the FBI did not find any evidence of wide case voter fraud that would change the outcome of the election. I'm going to put that on the back burner for a moment because I want to kind of 
cover... I don't really have any notes from Pennsylvania, so I'll have to get back to Pennsylvania's hearing. Uh, other than what I can remember off the top of my head. But I want to go over some things that was said in the Arizona hearing. And... I want to... Kind of discuss some things that were said there. Kind of go over some things I kind of heard about today. From watching some videos from Steven Crowder. Now remember, some of the sources that I cite. And I'm going to give credit right now to you know the following people. Glenn Beck, Steven Crowder, uh, Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh. Some of the information I get and share with you is what I get from them. Because while I can do a lot of research, there's only so much that I can do as just a normal human being. And at the same time, when you can't trust the modern media, when you can't trust anything that comes from CNN, MSNBC, Fox News... Because they are so far left, they are so far into the Democrats' pockets, that can you really trust anything they say? Alright, so we're going to quickly go over what was talked about in these two hearings. Again, I didn't actually think about taking a lot of, a lot of notes... I didn't think about taking a lot of notes from the Pennsylvania hearing. So I was at a point of re-watching the Pennsylvania hearing so I could get some notes to bring back to you guys and, and share with you. Now, I do apologize if you hear a sniffle every once in a while. It is, let's just say it's in the upper 30s to lower 40s here in Northeast Indiana, so it's getting cold. Winter is here. Uh, so, the first thing that kind of made, uh, I, I don't want to say made the light pop on, but, oh, what is his name? I want to say it's Senator Aristrano. I, I, I will have to look that up. But he is one of the ranking, I think, one of the ranking members of the Pennsylvania State Legislature. He made a statement before and after, and it was especially at the end, that made me think about something. He said before, and he said especially at the end, and I'll focus at the end, because he said... From all the testimony, from the visual um, data that was presented to them, he said, and it, I, I thought I kind of actually thought it was ironic that where they held the hearing was would be the place. Well, we, we would see the turning point in this election. And I only say that because where, he, where they held the hearing 
was at a hotel in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And I say, and you're probably going to say, but why is that significant? I mean, it's just Gettysburg. It's another city. For those of you who are not history buffs, Gettysburg, on July 1st through July the 3rd in 1863, during the American Civil War, Gettysburg is deemed to be the turning point of the war. The Confederate Army was practically short of, you know, being too, you know, mean and cruel. Confederate Army was kicking the Union's ass until Gettysburg, in which I'm not going to go dive into the whole thing. But essentially, Robert E. Lee took his army with the idea that if he destroyed the Army of the Potomac in northern soil, he could force the surrender of the Union Army right at the White House with President Lincoln and the United States as we know it now would not be. But instead... Due to some lackluster, careless miscalculations, the Union Army won, and the Union was preserved. So I found it ironic, one, that they would be holding a public hearing on the 2020 elections at Gettysburg, in which his opening statement was, it was ironic that they would be holding a hearing at Gettysburg, a potential site for what could possibly be the turning point of the United States elections of 2020. And he kind of repeated that sentiment at the end. And here are some things I... And, again, I don't remember much about what was... what was said. Other than the fact that both in Pennsylvania hearings and in Arizona hearings... And in Arizona especially, they had visual data that was showing, and again, this is in both places, showing that even though the Dominion voting software and Dominion themselves said, oh no, nothing is connected to the internet, you had tabulators, which were connected to tabulators, which were connected to tabulators, which were connected to a computer which was connected to a router, which was connected to the internet. I'm sorry, if you have something connected to a router, and you have something that is connected to a computer, that is connected to the internet, you, you being a bit of an IT guy, not anything substantial, but I know computers pretty well, you can set up multiple devices to be connected to each other and not have them connected to the internet. Except in Dominion's handbook, their own handbook, it says to have peak performance, you must have them connected to an ethernet cord, essentially connected to a router, essentially connecting them to the internet. Hmm... Again, that was also stated in Arizona. 
and there were, I, I don't remember Pennsylvania, but I, I, I think in Pennsylvania and in Arizona for sure, I remember seeing this, there is some, one of the witnesses, one of the first witnesses, and you can find, by the way, the full Pennsylvania hearings and the full coverage of the Arizona hearings on YouTube. Uh, you want to look up, uh, I'm pretty sure you can look up the Pennsylvania election hearing and then the Arizona election hearing, and you will find at least two or three different um, links that will show the entirety of the hearings. I would highly encourage you to watch both. I know Arizona, I think, ended up being something like 10-ish hours or so, but still, I encourage you because, again, without having any notes on Pennsylvania, I'm going to just kind of bypass that for for the time being. That may end up having to be its own podcast. Other than the fact I wanted to bring up that I thought it was ironic that after ev all the evidence, all the witnesses were presented to the members of the state legislature there that they said how, in my opinion anyway, they felt like they saw enough evidence of potential corruption in Pennsylvania to warrant a special session of the state legislature to discuss this and that Gettysburg was the site of the changing of the 2020 elections. While, honestly, I do feel a little encouraged, I'm also kind of hesitant to kind of agree with that because, I mean, I'm sorry, to, you know, stuff's kind of got to start getting moving on because we are 12 days away, essentially, from when the electors are supposed to be nominated to go do their vote for president. Now, let me turn to Arizona, because this is going to be key. Arizona hearing was held Monday, November 30th, so a couple, couple days ago. Um, Rudy Giuliani, in his opening statement, made the statement that mail in the mail-in ballots is the key, a lot of the key, aside from Dominion, is one of the keys to the voter fraud. I kind of can agree with that. Especially when you have, I, I, I've heard a few talking heads, that you had, I think it was President Jimmy Carter, a Democrat, who warned about mail-in ballots and the potential use, uh, fraudulent use of mail-in ballots for elections. Now, I, I, I mentioned, as in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, 
I kind of feel like it's the same person showed how the Dominion voting systems I don't know if it was statewide but I think specifically in Philadelphia that I'm sorry I'm I'm thinking of Pennsylvania in Arizona that Maricopa County which I think is the largest county in Arizona but I think it was there and maybe in a couple others I again I don't remember for sure if it was statewide so don't quote me on it showed how the Dominion voting systems was connected to the internet because at the same time frame of the election there is a report of a massive you know data I guess data dump or data movement in servers in Frankfurt, Germany. So, hmm, our election, potentially, our elections are being essentially sent to sites that are overseas. Now, based on that, there are reports. Again, I cannot confirm as of yet, but I have heard that our military has seized servers in Germany based around the Dominion voting system. Again, unconfirmed. Um, there, there was also a... I don't know what you would call him, like a statistician or a, a gentleman by the name of Bobby Pinton who, listening to him, if, if, you, if you watched, and hopefully you will watch it if you haven't, he just has this love of numbers. And it made my head kind of explode a little bit. But once I kind of... I had to back up a couple of times because I uh, rewatch it a couple of times anyway, and then I kind of got an idea of where his mindset was going with it. And by his data, he, well, at least according to his data, that up to three hundred thousand fake people voted in the state of Arizona. Now, keep in mind, in Arizona. Trump only trails by something like 11, 12,000 votes. He also, this same gentleman, Mr. Pinton, also made the case, made the claim that he possibly reverse engineered, in his words, reverse engineered the, the algorithm to count the damn votes. His words. If that is truly what happened because keep in mind a lot of these swing states and this kind of I, I've heard this too and this kind of makes sense that in these swing states at a certain point they stopped the vote the count they said they were going to resume at some time in the morning their time and then all of a sudden you know, it's when we all decided to go to bed, and all of a sudden, these states that 
at the time, they were all massively ahead for Trump. Here's Biden with this weird lead. And, of course, a lot of us Republicans, Trump people that voted for Trump, are kind of starting to freak out a little bit. And when the president came out and said, we won by a landslide, but they stole it from us. Now it kind of makes sense when all of this stuff is starting to come out. Then on top of that, there were multiple witnesses. And, and okay, here's the, I want to point this out. What this, the statement I'm going to say is pretty consistent with various witnesses that testify or that presented at the Pennsylvania hearing. And this is also, as I double check my notes, fairly consistent with a bunch of witnesses that spoke in front of the Michigan Senate Oversight Committee and in Arizona. Multiple witnesses at all three um, hearings that identified themselves as poll workers, poll not poll workers, poll observers, all had the same thing in common. They were mistreated at the voting and the counting sites. Now, at Michigan, they... For whatever reason, they were mainly focusing on the TCF Center. Again, Michigan is going to be a, probably a whole nother podcast in itself. Probably in a couple days. Well, maybe tomorrow or maybe Friday. I'm, I'm going to try and hopefully get a schedule out to uh, talk to you guys. And, and real quick before I continue on to my little tangent here with Arizona... Uh, I want to also, I, I, I meant to say this at the beginning, but I've also spent the last couple of days, I've worked on completely new channel art, or art work for the podcast, kind of make it a little bit better than the crap I just threw together. Also, uh, if you guys want to get a hold of me, I do now have a website, which will be hopefully in the channel episode description uh if it's not hopefully please try and let me know but you can now email me at kb show podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on parlor that's p-a-r-l-e-r dot com and my handle there, and I'm looking just so I don't mess up, is at kbrown2448. Because I can't necessarily make a second account specifically for the podcast. Which I think is lame. I mean, I can try, but it requires a phone number to set up the account. And I can't apparently use multiple the same phone number for multiple accounts. So... I'm just going to use mine. And the only reason I'm doing email, great. And the only reason I'm doing Parler instead of Twitter 
is because you've got the big tech censoring everything. Now, let me get back to Arizona after I briefly took time out to do a shameless plug. I'm sorry. Not really. <clears throat> anyway, I, I, I do want to point out that during the Pennsylvania hearings, during the Arizona hearings, during the Michigan hearing, I watched them live, except for Michigan. I had something going on yesterday. But I watched them live, essentially live, on the Right Side Broadcasting Network, which is YouTube. It is privately funded. They have a sponsor to kind of help them out. Unlike me, I don't even have a sponsor yet. Hopefully that will change, but... Um, but from my, from what I can tell, none of the liberal media carried it. CNN didn't cover them, MSNBC didn't cover them, CBS didn't cover them, and Fox News didn't cover them. Now, I'm going to play something, hopefully it records on here. But I'm going to play a clip. This is the... Oh, what is his name? His name is Mark Fencham. He was the chairman for the Arizona hearing. And I want you to listen. It's going to be about uh, almost nine minutes long. It's eight minutes, 45 seconds. But I want you to hear what he says and focus on what he says right around six minutes. Um, again, I'm hoping this picks it. This program picks it up. If not, uh, I apologize for there being probably silence for about eight minutes. So let, let, let's see what happens. Nope. I can already tell it didn't pick it up. Um, dang. Okay. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to figure out something. I do apologize. Um, I will actually... You know what? Even better. I will put a link to the YouTube video that I have up here... For that particular clip I was going to play, again, it's eight eight minutes, 45 seconds long. Focus on what they say at the six-minute mark. And if you don't get a chance to hear it, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm going to tell you anyway, but I do encourage you to watch that link. And, again, it should be in the description in the video. Uh, hopefully, anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hopefully try, as well as how you can contact, get a hold of me, and I would love to hear from everyone, and please, if you like anything you hear, here, here, please let, you know, pass it on to family, friends, co-workers, anyone that might be interested, because... Again, I'm literally just a nobody from Northeast Indiana that has a passion for the country that is taking time because I can't work right now because of a medical condition. So what better to do than sit around and talk to you guys? Uh, anyway. <laughs> wow, I, this is going great. Anyway, in Arizona... He says, the chairman says, 
after everything they've seen, they've all the witnesses they've heard, and of the, they had three witnesses that had actual graphical. You can look at the numbers and see what happened. Data. He said, after seeing all of this, the only way we can actually do anything about it is by calling a special session, which I am doing right now. So he has already said that he is calling, that they, Arizona will call a special session of the state legislature. Because one other thing that was very consistent in Pennsylvania and in Arizona, because Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis were both present at both hearings. And Jenna Ellis, at the end, in both hearings, Pennsylvania and Arizona, pretty much came out and said, <coughs> excuse me, please, we, we are appealing to you, not because this is a critical presidential election, but because the future and the integrity of our election process is at stake here. We urge you to take back your constitutional right, your power, as dictated in the Constitution, Section 1.2. Or is it 4.2? Again, you can find this. But there is a statute in the U.S. Constitution that says that the state legislature of each state is solely responsible for the electing of their electors. So, the governor and the secretary of state have no say in how the electors will vote. That is solely placed on the state legislature. The state legislature, and this is the big thing I have with Pennsylvania, is the state legislature is the one that dictates the laws of how the election will be run. And in the Pennsylvania state legislature, it clearly says that voting ends at 8 p.m. Any votes that come in past 8 p.m. or are postmarked past and arrive past 8 p.m. will not be counted. However, you have the Secretary of State, you had the Governor, and you even had the Pennsylvania Supreme Court say, no, we're going to accept ballots until November 9th. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the upside to that is beforehand, this was already kind of a contentious point in Pennsylvania because the Trump campaign attempted to challenge it. The Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, came out and said, uh, Okay, it's not something we want to deal with right now. We don't have really the time. The elections are fine. But Justice Alito made the following statement. We're, we're not going to talk about the merits on it right now. However, I am telling you, Pennsylvania, every ballot... Every mail-in and every every vote, every ballot that comes in 
after 8 p.m., you are to segregate them and set them aside so that we can have the discussion of the merits at a later time. Okay. And here's why I point that out. I point that out because that inadvertently kind of opens a door for the Trump campaign to take this to the Supreme Court, which I think they already are going to. I, I think they're in the process of refiling with the Supreme Court. Because think about this. When we had the supposed, you know, we're going to stop counting, quote-unquote, and we'll come back later. At the time that they did this, Trump had a 700,000-800,000 vote lead in Pennsylvania. We wake up, and he's trailing by 50,000, 60,000. I think it's something like 150,000 now? It, it, it's, it's, oh, I'm pretty sure it's in excess of 50,000. So, what Alito did, and by saying, hey, everything that comes in past this point, set those aside. He didn't say don't count them, but he said set them aside because we'll probably have to come back and discuss the merits of them later. So now that we're getting to a point where, okay, this is going to end up going to the Supreme Court. I mean, I... I would find it very, very, very unlikely to not be heard by the Supreme Court. Because one, you have Alito essentially kind of keeping the door open there. But then you have the clear argument of, okay, you have... The state legislature that has the law this way. You had the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said, no, we're going to extend it to three days after the election. Or six days after the election. As the election was the third. They said, we're going to extend it to the ninth. So, honestly, when the Supreme Court hears that, if... You would have to assume, without a reasonable shadow of a doubt, unless there's some other circumstantial evidence, and you can't be using COVID. That was a lot of things I heard in these hearings, too, was, you know, poll workers couldn't see anything because they had to keep six feet away because of COVID. But... That doesn't still change the fact that the Pennsylvania state legislature said, you know, when made the laws and have the laws on the book that says you cannot accept any ballots past 8 p.m. on election day. So when polls close. And then you have the Pennsylvania Supreme Court pretty much going, being a legislative body and saying, oh no, we're going to accept ballots until the 9th. No! 
That's not how it works. And, and uh, I mean, and, and you have to wonder, too, in Pennsylvania, because the, I think it was at the exact same hearing that they held, Dominion was supposed to be there to present their case, to answer questions that the legislature had. Nobody knows where Dominion went. All of their offices closed and moved. All of their employees have removed LinkedIn accounts. Nobody knows what's going on with Dominion now. So, that that kind of makes me ponder this question. If the election was so secure, and if Dominion has nothing to hide... Why did they not go to the Pennsylvania hearing? Why do we have evidence of their user manual pretty much telling people how to gain access to their system? How do we have evidence that shows a connection between Dominion, um, Smartmatic, and Hugo Chavez in Venezuela? Someone answer that? Please? Because I sure would like to know the answer to that. Now, let me revert back to what I went said at the beginning of the program when Bill Barr told the Associated Press that the DOJ and the FBI haven't found any evidence to, you know, widespread evidence of voter fraud that would have changed the outcome of the election. Wait, hold on. L l let me get this straight. The DOJ and the FBI haven't found any evidence. Yet, you have a hearing in Pennsylvania with a person that looked through the data, showed that they were connected, that Dominion was connected to the internet showed traffic movement, showed the potential moving of votes, dumping of votes, or how at least it could be done, in which he said that they should do a forensic audit on the machines themselves. You have Arizona that pretty much had the exact same thing. You have a vast number in both states of people that spoke at these hearings that filled out official affidavits. These are affidavits that under oath they said, and if it comes out that they were lying, they could go to federal prison. And that the argument that the Trump campaign, that the witnesses, that the data from these experts showed was enough for the state legislatures in Pennsylvania and in Arizona to question the election of their own state and call special sessions of their respective legislatures? How can you not 
say that there's no widespread fraud that changed the election. Unless there is one possibility that immediately came to mind as soon as I heard that. How much did Joe Biden and the Democratic Party pay Bill Barr to come out and say, oh, no, we did, we can't find any fraud. There's no, or at least not enough that's going to change the outcome of the election. I mean, in the span of just the first witness, there was enough evidence to at least throw out almost 9,000 votes. Which would bring Biden's lead in Arizona down to like two or 3,000 votes. So, I'm sorry. Bill Barr, Attorney General of the United States, I would like to know how much are you getting paid by the Democratic Party, by the far left, by the deep states, by the corrupt liberal media... To be in their pack, in their back pockets, to say that there is no fraud, because you even had people. In fact, I, I know I wasn't going to talk about Michigan, but I'm sorry. Just, just that sheer fact brings me to mind, and I gotta look at my notes. There was one person who was a IT worker that was uh, through a staffing agency hired by Dominion to work IT <coughs> and she said again under oath had an affidavit filled out that Trump the Trump campaign has as well as sent it in to the Michigan legislature to the oversight committee that said in the tw she worked for 27 hours. And during that time, she saw ballots run through the tabulator 8 to 10 times. And also, in the 27 hours that she worked, she saw no Trump ballots at the TCF Center. Every... Most people I've listened to who have been guests on Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, Stephen Crowder, they have had experts that and can, can come to the conclusion that in, in Pennsylvania, it would be statistically impossible for Biden to win the state managed to come up with not only 800 you know seven to eight hundred thousand votes but to have the what 50 60 70 thousand votes he's up now without there being some sort of fraud or cheating um and and another question that was posed at all three hearings that I think is a very, very fair question to ask is 
Where's the DOJ? Why haven't they gotten involved? Now, we know a couple weeks ago, Bill Barr gave the green light for, hey, we want go ahead and start investigating any potential claims of, you know, widespread fraud. And yet now he comes out and says, oh, there's no fraud. What? What? No. Are you out of your mind? I, I, I'm sorry, I know I'm going to harp on it, but there is no, no way after hearing the testimony and seeing the data of, of these witnesses that went through the voting logs, went and, and you know, looked at the algorithm that Dominion used, that how can you say there, there's no fraud? There is no way, you know, when, when, you know, you, you've got, there, there was one witness in Michigan who said that, uh, they, they, his, he and his team were looking through 172,000, 172,000 votes of an initial 30,000 of them. They found over 229 that were deceased when they voted. Um, but again, the, 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 another thing that, again, common among all three of them. Again, I'll go, probably my next podcast will be a little bit more further in-depth to Michigan while also referring back to Arizona and Pennsylvania. But the common theme was just the mistreatment of GOP workers. How there was no social, you know, on their accounts, there were no social distancing. If they were to get anywhere near seeing the process, they would be told, oh no, you have to be six feet back. You're, you're gonna kill everyone because of COVID. Like, um... I'm just doing my job. And in Michigan alone, there were a number of people who said they were threatened. They were uh, intimidated. They had people yelling at them. Uh, told that they couldn't challenge anything. Like, So if that's not fraud, if that's not disrupting the process, because we know anyone who's listening to this program who's possibly worked at a voting center as a poll worker or poll challenger, <coughs> excuse me, knows that when ballots are being counted, especially if you have these um, duplicate ballots, which is basically, from my what I understood through at Arizona and Michigan, is the military personnel were sent a ballot. They would sit, fill it out, send it back, but it was in a, a different kind of format that when they came back, they had to be open. They had to trans, essentially duplicate what was said on that ballot to an actual legit ballot here back in the home state in their precinct and then counted it that way. Okay, first off, one. I'm perfectly okay with that because 
you know, thank God for the military for what they do. And how much over the years they have put their lives on the line to, you know, stop the forces of evil. And, you know, I very much respect their right to vote. So, in my personal opinion, the only time I would say that a ballot should, there should be any exception to the voter laws of a state, the only exception would be for military ballots. But even then, military personnel should understand, hey, I've got to get my ballot mailed to me, filled out, and sent in promptly so it can be there, hopefully by election day, if not early. So, but still, you have the mistreatment of these, of these poll workers that can't, you know, you have to have at least one Democrat, one Republican, or you could have a Democrat and an Independent, or Republican and Libertarian, or at least two, at least one person from one of the major parties, normally, nine times out of ten, it's going to be Democrat and Republican, that have to look at the ballot, agree that there is no problems with it, before it can be be counted. I'm okay with that. That's accountability. But in everything I have seen, the chain of custody, the ch- essentially the accountability of the process in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, in Michigan, was broken not once, not twice, but multiple times. And now, knowing these facts... Seeing what's going on in these states, it now makes me stop and think, hey, is this, could the same thing be happening here in Indiana? Could it be happening in Ohio? Could it be happening in Iowa? Could it be happening in Texas or in Florida or in Nebraska? Could it be happening there, but not on such a scale that's what we're seeing in Pennsylvania, now, or Michigan, Wisconsin, these so-called swing states. You know, for the longest time, Florida, Ohio, they were considered the two critical swing states. And now, you went from them that are, people are, are now assumably going to say that they're red states, to now we have six states, Nevada, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin... Pennsylvania, Georgia, I think I said Arizona, I don't remember, but you got six, seven states that now turn into swing states, and what do these six states have in common in this election? They were using Dominion voting software, they all said, hey, we need to stop counting at roughly the exact same time Trump was leading sizably in all three states at or all these states at the time and then all of a sudden a few hours later Biden has the lead if that does not scream some sort of fraud especially when you look at Pennsylvania 7 to 800,000 vote lead Michigan 
150-200,000 vote lead. Wisconsin, about a 80-100,000 vote lead. You had uh, Georgia, where he had about a 100,000 vote lead. And it just, in a matter of a couple hours, it all disappeared. All suddenly. And you have documented spikes. How can you not say that there's not some sort of irregularities or voter fraud? It's just un-unbelievable. But I think that's where I'm probably going to call it here for this episode. Um, been going for about 52-ish minutes or so. Gives me a chance, again, to say I want to thank you all for joining me here on the KB Show. Um, again, I do now have a few, so, uh, at least one social media outlet, um, one email that you can get a hold of me. Uh, you can catch me on social media on Parler, that's P-A-R-L-E-R dot com under the hashtag, or under the, uh, the, uh, under the, uh, call sign of at kbrown2448. Again, for some reason they won't let me make multiple accounts because I don't have a different phone number, so, woohoo! But, um, there's that. Or you can get a hold of me via email, at kbshowpodcast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, if you have any concerns, if you have anything you want me to talk about, clarify, please send me an email. I would love to hear from you guys and any suggestions that you can think of that might potentially make this show any bit better. Um, Again, I've just... It's just a real basic setup with my computer, uh, as is. It's not like I have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to have proper sound equipment and proper video equipment and anything like that. So, just getting started with it. So, again, you can catch me on Parler. I don't have a Twitter account for the show because Twitter would probably censor most of what I said. say. Parler is... Totally 100% free speech. They they aren't censoring anybody. A lot of people are over there. Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, Mark Levine. A lot of conservative uh, people are on there expressing their thoughts. It is a very fast-growing platform. Um, also, again, my email is kbshowpodcast at gmail.com can't wait to hear from you guys uh hopefully as i said before i would if you if you like what you hear uh please reach out let me know what you like what you don't like if you have anything you want me to talk about specifically or give my thoughts on clarify any kind of constructive criticism would be greatly appreciated please share with your family or your friends if you liked what you hear uh, and hopefully, I say hopefully, we'll try and get this off to 
a, a little bit more of a st structure. Uh, ideally, I would love to try and uh, get some videos out every day of the week, but we'll see because everything will vary. Um, especially when it comes towards the holiday times. Christmas is just right around the corner. And the week of Christmas, week of New Year's, will I know will definitely be tough because my son will be out of school for two full weeks. So we'll have to see how production of any podcast is from there. But once again, I appreciate it. And we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you.